Welcome to Sunrise Life, the podcast where we have deep conversations with freelance models. Today, I have Diana Jean on the line. Say hello, Diana. Hello. Diana and I both lived in Seattle at the same time for a long period of time. So I've been aware of her and met her in person and... Diana's really awesome and I'm really <laughs> happy to have you here. Yeah, I think we first met maybe I think at a Starbucks in a Safeway. That's my memory. Oh yeah. <laughs> I do remember that. I was like, Christy knows what she's doing. Let me talk to Christy. <laughs> oh gee, thanks. I wonder what gave you that impression. <laughs> I mean, I think you've always been I was going to say hustler, but I mean, hustler in the sense that like you work, like I think a lot of freelance models don't necessarily treat it like a job, you know? And yeah, especially when we were, when you started like 10 years ago, this was not a thing. Like this was a very small community. And I mean, like, do you remember I threw model parties for a while? Yeah. I, yeah. Just cause like, you know, there weren't that many of us doing it. It felt like it was. It was a great idea for everyone to meet, like not just for like safety reasons, but just like camaraderie, you know? Yeah, totally. I really enjoyed those, <laughs> especially the wardrobe swap part. The wardrobe swap part. I think I have uh, photos still of model pyramid. I think we, we got oh everyone to do a pyramid in my kitchen and you were at the top because you're the tiniest. <laughs> I remember that now. <laughs> wow. That bring okay, yeah. I, 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 now I'm remembering that we did that. I have to find that photo and put it somewhere. Yeah, I don't know where it is either. I'm like not the greatest with da- data management. <laughs> yeah, it's a struggle. For sure. Mm, I bet you it's like in my email inbox as an attachment or something. Yeah, I, I can't remember whose camera it was on. I think it was Carolyn's. That makes sense. Yeah. I'll hit her up about that. That's so cool. <laughs> As a, another model in the industry, when I look at your page and I see what you're posting, beyond like all the cool art reference sets that you make and sell, which I think is totally awesome and you're super consistent at that, I've always looked to your story on Instagram as a source of inspiration and knowledge for what's going on in the world as far as justice. Oh, thank you. I mean, I I love when people tell me that. Like, I, I obviously my Instagram is like geared towards modeling because that's like my job. But yeah. being like a pseudo news blog makes me so happy. <laughs> that's cool, and I like that. It seems like you don't give a fuck about what people perceive as far as you posting your modeling next to like your opinions on your Instagram story. Like you're just yourself. Yeah, and I can tell that you're really passionate about it. I mean, yeah, I think it's part of modeling for me has always been the freedom to do whatever the fuck I want and just be myself. In a lot of ways, I have not taken modeling to the career level it could be. Because, like, I've never toured, you know? I've done modeling all over the world because I was there, like I was going to travel for like myself and then booked modeling work while I was there. And so, I mean, I'm definitely a work to live kind of person rather than a live to work. And my Instagram just reflects like 
who I am in general. My feed is definitely like posted modeling photos and art model photos. But yeah, my stories, you definitely get unfiltered, Diana. I love it. <laughs> I, I really like, I feel like I can learn from that a little bit. When you say that you um, work to live, not live to work. I don't think I've heard somebody say it quite like that before. I feel like I could take some notes on that. Yeah, I mean, I've been complaining to my boyfriend that I've worked every day for the last like I think like two and a half three weeks except for like two days off and that's too busy for me Uh, (laughs) I don't want to work that much but wow um you know sometimes you do that's all so the the mantra that I've been kind of like skating on for a while that I'm starting to Want, not not like eliminate, but maybe redefine as I say, a thousand hours worked for yourself is better than one hour worked for somebody else. Hell yes, dude. Hell yes. <laughs> yeah, I mean, like, I have always been a very self-directed person, and I don't really like being told what to do. Not in like a Word. like model sense of like, move your head, but like a just a life directional sense. And having to go to work at, like, a regular job every day sounds awful. <laughs> have, you, have you had other jobs like that in the past? Um, kind of, not really. In the last 10 years, I've had, like, very small part-time jobs that I was mostly, like, you know, I was getting paid, but I was doing it to, like, help someone else out. Uh, my friend has a house cleaning business. I kind of, I mean, I helped her like reorganize her company and do some management stuff and also, you know, house cleaned on a, on a pretty regular basis. And I currently, I do have a part-time job, but again, it's, I photograph apartments. Like I show up with a camera and whenever I want to schedule it and no one tells me what to do, (laughs) then I leave. That's nice. And it's also a bit creative too, because you get to shoot photos. Yeah. And I mean, I moved to San Francisco two years ago to be with my boyfriend who started a company here. So it wasn't really an option for us to be together and be in Seattle could be in Mm -hmm. separate cities, but like my entire network was in Seattle and moving to San Francisco, Mm -hmm. there is not the same amount of modeling work think everyone that's doing creative stuff doesn't live in the not everyone but generalizing people live in LA instead of the Bay Area and there's this like real like get work get money get out attitude and especially San Francisco and people like this I feel like Seattle the tech world really funds the arts people do mm-hmm. their tech work and then they like want to do photography or they are also a fashion designer or, you know, they start like a music label. And I, I just don't find that to be true in San Francisco. Oh, really? Mm-hmm. Hmm. It's been a while since I was down there. Right? Because there's no modeling work. <laughs> I used to do really well down there. But if I look back and if I'm truly honest with myself, at least 50% of the people that I was working with on the trips that I was really successful in San Francisco were just like you know, hotel shoots where the photographer's keeping it a secret from their wife type thing. Word. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) I don't think that I really 
appeal to those photographers anymore. Because, you know, I've done tons and tons and tons of those, but I don't know. I don't know what it is, but like, I do not get hired for those jobs anymore. Is that relieving or would you, you take know, a gig here or there? I, I mean, like, honestly, any gig, anyone who wants to get me as long as it's like safe and in my comfort zone, like hire me. Like I, you know, I'll be naked in a hotel room. That's totally fine with me. But I will <laughs> cool. say doing more art modeling. Like I graduated college for fine art and then didn't want a real job, you know, like a regular job. And I mean, really like when you graduate with an arts degree, like your, your, your bachelor's degree is not going to work for you so far. You know what I mean? Like I'm going to get a coffee shop job or something like that. And I started modeling because in my mind it was going to like leave me time and space to like pursue painting. Mm-hmm. And so to have this like circle back of now, I mostly work with artists and I can make like good money doing that has been like so heartwarming. And really, I feel like I've found like what I always really wanted to do in the modeling world. If we're being honest, like working with artists is so much better in so many ways. I feel like art, I mean, like you, that you have to have found this to be true too. So many photographers want to like haggle your rates and they have this like lofty like ego about how like you couldn't be a model without photographers like them versus artists mm-hmm. are like, did I pay you enough money? Is that, I'm so grateful for, for what you do. Thank you so much. Like your, your work is such an inspiration and it's, I mean, like, it's so nice. <laughs> I agree. I I felt both of those personalities, uh, many times as well and I mean like obviously that's a generalization there's lots of wonderful benevolent like generous photographers out there too yeah so when you say artist do you mean people that are going to take your picture so that they can paint or draw it or people who are sketch drawing you um yes and also people who buy my reference photos so in 2020 I, I taught like I taught I led a figure drawing class for eight years before um, the pandemic hit before I moved to San Francisco and in 2020, I was like, shit, no one, like no one can go to figure drawing. Like everyone is bored as fuck. I'm going to start like shooting photos of myself to sell to artists, um, to paint and draw someone I know that buys them regularly, you know, uses them for inspiration to write poetry. A few other people buy them and do like like digital manipulation stuff. So so that's mostly it. I don't really sit for photo- for artists that often anymore. Um and every once in a while I'll do a photo shoot with an artist. Then there's photographers who have like an idea of their photography that kind of goes beyond the girls standing next to trees oh, yeah. or like pretty portrait type stuff. Totally. I mean like not to say that photographers aren't artists because they are in their own right. It's hard for me to distinguish like painter, like illustrator versus photographer mm-hmm. just with like language. But yeah, no, you, you, definitely. Photography is also an art. and Photography is an art. I guess the lines are kind of blurred and I guess it depends on who's defining it and how they define what art is. Because if you're thinking of photography like you're documenting something like oh this is what you look like at this time with this lighting I still think that's art like 
you know, anything creative that you're pursuing, I think has artistic merit. And I've had this conversation with, I mean, I, I was talking to a photographer who also is a like coder recently. And I think that you can like, there's an artfulness to come with like creating code. You no, know? like you could make a dinner and that can be artful. Like the, the act of creating, I think has artistic elements, merit, like what, whatever you may call it. Like the technical, yeah, that is true. the technical side of photography, even if you're not like composing the whole photo, the image, whatever's in your frame is still like, you know, a creative skill you have to learn. It's true. True that. My boyfriend does a plumbing design. And so he's drawing pipes in a computer program. And he says that he's like in a flow state when he's doing that. And he loves doing it. And it's like a creative space for him. And I'm like, well, drawing pipe, I guess you're, you're drawing and you're creating something. Totally. So, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> so you started, you're around the same age as me, I believe. Yeah, I'm 34. What age did you start? 34, yeah. I'm okay. I'm 35. You started modeling at what age? I was 21. Like I said, I, I graduated college and was like, shit, I need to make money and I don't want a job. <laughs> and I don't really remember because, again, like back then, like no one really, like, there wasn't Instagram. Facebook was like for like, it's still for old people mostly. And, uh, <laughs> you know, I didn't really, <clears throat> excuse me, know about freelance modeling. I just started modeling for artists, you know, like painting classes or whatever. And I think that how I like ended up on like model mayhem was some artists also worked with Sierra McKenzie and, and mm -hmm. Sierra, Sierra was another person that was like, Oh damn, they know what they're doing. I'm going to copy them. <laughs> And then, like, started working with photographers and doing the model mayhem thing, built myself a website. I was also very inspired by Sierra, especially back then. Yeah, I don't know that they do much modeling anymore. But, yeah, I mean, Sierra killed it. They were, like, the it person for a long time. Yeah. Yeah, I wonder what they're up to now. I think they live in I haven't checked on. Yeah, I don't, I don't know. They moved away from Seattle, too. Oh, Okay. So having other models as an inspiration kind of like gave you some ideas? Oh, definitely. I think Sierra and Rant were the two people that I was like, they are, they're not just like modeling and doing it like in a professional like career kind of way, but they're both like really creative and I want to mm -hmm. work with photographers they work with. Um, I'm, I'm like, I'm not kidding you. Like I looked at Sierra's website and it was like, I'm copying this. <laughs> and like, I've talked to her about that. I don't think that's, I mean, it wasn't a problem for her. I'm happy to have any model want to copy what I'm doing, like get it, do you. But like probably a year ago, I wrote like wrote the longest thing I've ever written. And I was in the ivory program in high school. Like I, I've wrote like 20 page essays regularly, but it's a 40 page document on how to be a model and how to make money doing it. And nice. I mean, I'll send it to any model who wants to get into it. That's awesome. Maybe I can include a little link to that in the description of the podcast. Sure. Yeah. When it comes to like maintaining your inspiration, because I kind of want to go back to 
like you, you work to live, not live to work. And I'm still fascinated by that. So I want to circle back a little bit. Do you find that like in what you're doing with like your create creative skills and like your creativity today, do you feel like you have an amount of fulfillment within that? Yeah. I mean, creatively speaking, I feel, I mean, like I could paint more. That was always my first love and I don't do it very often. But creating reference photos for artists is definitely a creative thing. But yeah, I don't know if I feel like artistically fulfilled presently. But I mean, like, I don't know. I really love my life. I think my life is great. I am very happy. And like I said, like, I feel like creativity comes out in different ways. Like, I fucking love food. And like, I cook every night, almost every night. Food brings me so much joy. And there's definitely creative, like creativity in doing that too. Part of the reason I asked that is because I, I used to also paint and like draw and like, you know, pencils, charcoals. I sculpted cool. when I was a kid yeah. up until about um, fifth or sixth grade. And then I kind of just have sort of been in different cycles of addiction uh, and things that have distracted me from that for the rest of my life, like uh, video games, um, running around and partying, and then just kind of like being sort of just so involved in a relationship and then making money that I'm not doing those things again. And I, I do feel like I am creative in other ways, but I think that I judge myself based on the fact that I haven't drawn a picture or painted a painting in so long. That's too bad. You should get back into it. <laughs> <laughs> I feel you though. Adding to I mean, like for me, starting a painting or even like putting aside the time to sit down in front of it is, I, I don't want to say overwhelming, but it's such a process to start. And I have to be in like such a specific headspace to do it. And honestly, I don't paint that often when my boyfriend's home. If he's out of town, I can sit and like paint for six hours, but I don't really want to be interrupted. <laughs> you know? Yeah, yeah. And I like like the silence. I haven't painted super seriously in a while. I think I probably make like two or three pieces of art a year. Um, that's, I mean, that's pretty good to me, I think. <laughs> that's cool. <laughs> That's awesome. Working with so many painters and illustrators now, though, I'm like, damn, like, I need to pump shit, more shit out. Or, like, Caitlin Hubner. Do you? Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, like, I remember reaching out to them probably, I don't know, seven or eight years ago and being like, you're the only person I know who, like, like professionally paints and is also a model. Can we hang out, please? <laughs> cool. And I love Kat. Like, they're a whirlwind of a human, I, and it's great. I actually had only known Catelyn, Caitlin, Catelyn, I'm, on uh, on the internet. I we were only acquainted over social media, <laughs> and so much so that I had thought that we met in real life, but I don't know if we did or not. And I bumped into her, like almost literally face to face, bumped into her or to them on the sidewalk. And Catelyn recognized me and was like, Christy? And I was like, what? 
cat? And they were, we, we just talked for like, like five minutes on the sidewalk. It was completely random. And I was visiting cause I, I had been traveling. So it's like one of those disorienting, like, Oh, I know you on the internet. <laughs> That's really fun. <laughs> I don't think I've ever come across someone I haven't met on, on like the streets that I follow online, but I love that. <laughs> Especially is because like, you know, the model community is tight and like, especially those of us who've been doing it for 10 years. So when it comes to modeling for you, I know that you've used modeling as an outlet for your creativity, but obviously if you're doing it for an income, there's probably a lot of gigs that you take just because oh, of yeah. income. Of course. <laughs> What 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 type of work do you really like, and then which ones do you feel like work? I mean, I anything that has like creative direction. If it's like clothed, if it's partially clothed, if it's nude, as long as like the photographer has like an idea of what they want to do, and uh, it's not just like pretty girl turning in circles. Those those photo shoots. I mean, like fuck, like it's like. It's been 15 minutes and it feels like an hour and a half. And, you know, it's, it's just, it's, it feels like it's so much more work because it's like dance, monkey dance. And those photographers oh always seem to like need like a therapy session. It's either they need to talk about their problems or it's like, listen to how great I think I am. Yeah. Those feel like work. Yeah. Yeah. I'm. <laughs> <laughs> it's funny because sometimes when I'm describing this archetype character of photographer that treats models like they're naked therapists, they're like, really? Is that is that common? And I'm like, yes, yes it's common. Very common. It's extremely common. <laughs> Definitely. It's painfully common. There are, are a lot of lonely people out there. And to some degree, when it's not the like... The guys with the massive egos, I think, are the worst for me because they're also not interesting. You know what I mean? Like someone who wants to have a therapy session, I at least I feel like I'm getting to know like the inner psyche of someone. And that's interesting to me. It's like like anthropologically yeah. interesting. But the people that are just like, I'm the shit and like listen to me talk about how like my I've been a photographer for 15 years and I'm published all over the world. And it's like, <sighs> Gary, you work in an office and you barely know how to take photos. <laughs> like, sure, you've been. Okay. <laughs> yeah. And at least when they're treating you like you're their therapist, it means that they value your reaction or your response to what they're saying. Yeah. They're looking forward to hearing what you have to say about it. And they're engaged with you. Yeah, there's some amount of respect there. Yeah. <laughs> Even if it's kind of like a, a weird scenario to put you in, there is more of a we're kind of on an equal playing field conversation yeah. than the other type. Even if their photography <laughs> sucks and the photo shoot is like whatever. It's like it's mildly more interesting. But no, I get like really yeah. into it and like time goes by very quickly if I'm working with someone who has some kind of like creative direction to what they're doing. Awesome. This kind of leads into one of those questions that I ask every model on, on the show. Can you think of, and if you need to take a moment to think of a good, good story, you just take your time because I can edit the spaces. Okay. <laughs> can you think of a, a time where you had a shoot? It's called the photo shoot fail of the week. <laughs> 
where the scenario was fucked up for some reason or the photographer was out of line like what's one out of line or crazy photo shoot story that that you could share okay i have to include a disclaimer here because in this episode both of us who are actively using the photographer in questions first and last name and i don't want to get sued so unfortunately i have to bleep it out but if you are curious about who this was you can feel free to send me a message anywhere on social media or an email you know i don't have a lot of these i think i project like a don't fuck with me attitude and like the way that i talk to photographers even online is like very professional and very to the point and so I think a lot of photographers who are, you know, maybe maybe even unaware that they are taking advantage of people, but they, um, you know, don't always have the best intentions. I think those people, for the most part, stay away from me. But mm-hmm. um, did you ever, do you remember Roger Barnstead being, like, around, like, 10 years ago in Seattle, 12 years ago in Seattle? Yeah, I think it's it, Roger. Yeah, I think that was it. Um, he was a huge piece of shit, and I <laughs> yeah. I don't think I realized it. I, like, shot with him a lot, and I don't think I realized it until he took his, fo- his clothes off at a photo shoot. We were shooting at mm. a spa, uh, like, you know, like, oh and we had, like, a private room, and we took a break, and he took all of his clothes off and got in the hot tub, and I was like, uh, excuse me? No. And I, I mean, like, I was pretty polite about it. I was like, hey, you know, if this is part of your creative process, you should have let me know beforehand because just doing this in the middle of a photo shoot is not okay. And I mm-hmm. think, you know, he was, like, really put off by that and embarrassed. And he hired me once again and had uh, – he was going to, like, the Art Institute of Seattle and he had one of his, like, peers come – who was a woman come and be at the photo shoot. And I don't think I shot with him again. And another model reached out to me and she was like, hi, I see that you've shot with Robert. Um, he sexually assaulted me. And I just want to know if like you had any like experience with experiences like that with him. And I was like, are you fucking kidding me? Like not surprised. I'm not surprised by that at all. Like, let me like anything I can do to like help your situation she was a paralegal and I don't think that like Roger like under like knew that, but like, you know, she knows lawyers, mm-hmm. she works with lawyers. So she was going to do something about it. But then looking back on it, I realized that like he was filming everything. Like he was filming, taking my clothes off and like in a changing room and that like my first nude photo shoot was with him. So this is not something that I was like super comfortable with yet. And, uh, yeah, super predatory person. I was pretty disappointed. There was another model that I won't name in Seattle who like came to his defense because I like publicly blasted him everywhere. I reached out to the art institute and was like, "Hey, do you know that he's doing these like massage videos where he gets naked and comes on a model and is doing this all under the guise of?" shooting this as art for his class at the art institute he dropped out i don't think they kicked him out but i i assumed that someone had a conversation with him and he dropped out oh yeah like i went hard (laughs) i was like fuck this guy 
There are multiple people who had bad situations with him that I've heard of. Not surprising. And I I worked with him too, yeah. you know, because I, I didn't know about any of his stuff for a long yeah. time. And then when I heard rumors back then, I was like, is this rumor true? But it's still income for me. You know, before I was really like, you know, in a community of safety with other yeah. models and didn't really have that like sense of camaraderie. It was more like a, I'm a lone wolf just trying to pay my bills type thing. Yeah, that's why I was trying to do like the model parties because I was like, hey, let's all talk about like the experiences we've had and the people that we've worked with because. There's Roger Barnsteads of the world out there. <laughs> I so I usually bleep names out uh, if if like, but I'm like this information I believe is publicly available. Is that true? Like, I mean, I don't I don't know because this this was like ten plus years ago, and I know that after that he started a studio in Seattle under a different name. And I showed up to it to work with another photographer and he was there. And I was like, I'm not coming in the studio unless he like leaves. Like, I'm not trying to see this guy. I'm not trying to be in his presence. And I mean, the photographer got him to leave and I, but I was like anxious in that space the whole time. So I don't know if like he's out there doing stuff. I don't know if he's still hiring models. I... I know that he's changed his um, alias on Model Mayhem and on Instagram a handful of times. Yeah, not surprising. And it, that's always a red flag when they always change their names. Yeah, I'm like, the model that came to his defense was like, he's a really kind person who's helped me out and he just does like really kinky stuff. And I'm okay with that. And I was like, that's fine. You're also a seasoned model who knows what they're doing and how to set boundaries. And you do like sex work erotic work but when he's like pulling in unknowing brand new models to this i mean the the woman who reached out to me was like he made me he got me to sign a model release before anything started that i didn't really read he got me drunk um <clears throat> i was nude on a table where his friend was taking photos of him massaging me both of them are fully nude. And then he rubbed his penis between my butt crack until he came on me. And I'm like, are you fucking <gasps> kidding me? You had no idea this was going to happen. Might have been in the model release, but like model releases are standard. And I don't think that most people like scroll through like two or three pages to be like, this is exactly what's in this. I mean, I scan them now, but like, I don't think that's, I mean, we live in a world where there's releases everywhere. And like, do you read the whole thing when like Google's like, we have a policy update? Yeah, no, I never read any of this stuff. But I think that we all show up to a photo shoot um, that's not described as being sexual to uh, not have someone ejaculate on you. Like, that's not a normal expectation. Right. That is not a normal expectation. That is, you know, very valid. <laughs> And it shouldn't. And and I think it's definitely good that the modeling community has become more inclusive towards other models. It doesn't feel like we're so much. No, I've never felt that way. Like to think that one photographer is only going to shoot with you, I think is unrealistic and kind of naive. And to be yeah, able totally. to, like, recommend people that you know that are professional 
and like we can like build each other up is part of what I think is really amazing about the freelance community versus like the agency community. Yes. Have you ever like done any agency stuff? I had an agent in Seattle for acting for like 10 years. Um, I, I feel like I, I've really modeled the breadth of like modeling work. Um, the only thing that I haven't really ever done is erotic modeling. But like I've been in Mercedes commercials. My face was on like the walls of lens crafters for a while. Um, and I still do like commercial modeling. That's awesome. Yeah, it's fun. And it's a completely different world. And honestly, actors are kind of dumb and assholes. <laughs> I strongly prefer to work with freelance models. Oh, that's good yeah. to know. Well, I wasn't thinking of getting... People have suggested that I get into acting and it's never really drawn me. I mean, I've been in like feature-length films and stuff like that. But the, st- the things that pay the most money are commercials where like you probably don't even have any lines. Or you do, and they're very yeah. simple. I think the only other like bad experience that comes to mind that happened more recently, I think it was like just barely pre-pandemic, is I showed up to a photo shoot, and this man was like pretty immediately saying derogatory things about other races and like immigrants and Jewish people, and I was, this is like. I will argue with someone like if you're being an asshole and saying things like that at a photo shoot, um, I, I, I didn't feel unsafe, you know, but I think that it's important to advocate for those people in the moment. And so like, I'm just like, dude, you can't call people the Jews. Like that sounds really derogatory. And like the way you're talking about immigrants isn't nice. Like, and just like, kind of like laid into him and it was supposed to be a three-hour shoot and he called it after 30 minutes because i think he was like i don't want to work with this person i'm like great cool have a nice day you are a white supremacist and i will be letting people know what a jerk Mm -hmm. (laughs) and he was another one when like you show up and he's like do you want to drink do you want to smoke some weed and i'm like no (laughs) no Oh, some people, they assume that you might have the same opinion as them or they don't give a shit about what your ideologies are and they just want to dump all of their like extremist ideologies on you. Sounds like that kind of person. Absolutely. Yeah. Looking for camaraderie and I'm like, no. I know I'm like very, very pale and white, but like, hell no, dude. You don't know anything about me and I will lay into you. Yeah. Well, good. Good on you. A lot of people might just kind of try to get through the shoot, try to get paid at the end, and like smile and nod or whatever, because those situations are awkward. They're awkward. And like, you know, I don't expect everyone to react the way that I do. Um, Not to say that like someone who who does that is like weak, but I do because that's not how I feel about anyone at all. Like if you if you're uncomfortable, either leave or like do whatever you can to like just get through the situation, get your money and get out. But um, for me, I just can't I I can't listen to that kind of shit and not say something. I've been as I think like many adults call children precocious and. I mean, like, I, I hesitate to say argumentative, but like, you know, I won hella awards in high school for debate. <laughs> like, I am articulate, I will shut you down. And 
especially like intolerant behavior like that i'm i can't not say something that's just like in my personality and and somebody who's that like upfront and obvious about their own racism uh you wouldn't want to be in their portfolio anyway hell no and again he's like he's a gwc he's like shooting in an empty bedroom in his house on like a wrinkled like white backdrop and i'm just like a pretty girl naked uh turning in circles and i mean like because (laughs) i was so upset i'm probably like bright red and like sweating because i'm just like are you fucking kidding me like i'm uncomfortable and mad and like (laughs) i'm sure i don't look good right now yeah Wow. Yeah. And you didn't miss out on that extra 200 bucks or whatever it was. Oh, no. He also paid me my full rate. Like, he paid for the three hours and was like, I'm good after 30 minutes. And I was like, great. Fuck you. Bonus. (laughs) Even better. I mean, like, yeah, in that situation where someone, like, wants to end a shoot early, I'm like, I don't care. You owe me for the three hours. You tweet for three hours. You will pay me for three hours. Wow. Nice. Good on you. (laughs) Again, like, I don't know if it's, like, a no-shame thing or just, like, being a very bold person. Also, like, this photo shoot sucked. Give me the money you owe me. Yeah. That's why I'm here. Yeah. Uh, He he probably had it budgeted anyway, and it's his own fault for ruining the mood by being a racist at you. Yeah, I mean, this guy lived in like the like richmond neighborhood in a shoreline with like a massive fucking house with an ocean view like he can afford it oh my god i know who that is (laughs) yeah i know he um okay i i forget who he is but he's some some weird guy who like lives in his parents house or something like that oh shit really i don't know if he lives in his parents house or he has his parents money but he wears just like a sweater and sweatpants and he's really like nasty and is it he lives in like North Shoreline or Linwood or something like that? And multiple other people have told me about him saying racist stuff immediately as soon as they get into the house. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> so, I mean, like, I know that someone told me that Astrid shot with him, but yeah. like, I don't, I don't know her. And so I, I don't, I didn't like reach out and be like, hey, so what was your experience? Yeah, but someone Ast- told me they were, and, sh- and she also was like, "Fuck this guy." Astrid said that uh, he had looked at her her nationality on Model Mayhem and saw that she was like a German and wanted to oh. talk about that kind of stuff with her as if she, as if she was on his side, and yeah. uh, she was really turned off by it and thought that that was completely bizarre. Yeah, yeah, dude. Poor assumption, my man. Poor assumption. Yeah, and I think that um, I I shot with that photographer. I don't even remember his name, honestly. But I Me shot either. with him once, and I don't. I think that he might have like made a political like side comment, but we mostly just talked about me being sober and I was just trying to convince him that I'm not going to smoke weed in the other room with him. And that was kind of the <laughs> the topic of yeah. my shoot with him because he had like liquor bottles everywhere and he was offering me drinks yeah. and he kept on going into the other room to go smoke weed. And I was like, uh, yeah, not interested. <laughs> go smoke your weed and waste your time. And I don't like modeling for you. So how about it, my dude? Yeah. 
Uh, I wonder if he still shoots. That guy was weird. <laughs> yeah, that's what I mean. Like we when we talk about like shitty photographers, and I feel like it's almost always around like predatory behavior. But there's those guys too, where like you're actually a piece of shit, and like you're not looking to like touch. I mean, like I'm sure given the opportunity, he probably would. But he's not like laying hands on models. He's just being a racist. Yeah. Yeah, that guy's out of line for sure. Yeah, wouldn't I hope that he hasn't posted photos of me anywhere? But I don't really have. I'm good. sure he didn't. Yeah, of me because they weren't good. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. I, I I after you described where he lived and what his house was like, I remembered exactly who it was. And it yeah, definitely the same <laughs> Yeah. Um, throughout your modeling career, have you ever had to face a challenge that you needed to overcome, like an insecurity or like moving up to the next level in your career or, or even anything else that's like not necessarily related to your modeling career that you had to, a challenge that you had to overcome? I call this the rising phoenix era of your career. I'm not sure. I've never really been like a goal oriented person. Like when people are like, well, like, what are your goals this year? Or did you make any New Year's resolutions? Or do you have a five year plan? I'm like, haha, no. <laughs> yeah. Um, my boyfriend and I on for New Year's were like, let's take two vacations this year. Like, that's our goal. <laughs> that's cool. But and like, I I never really had like deep insecurities. Like I have pretty fine hair and I've always like been jealous of people who have like long luscious hair. My hair just like breaks off at some point. Um, Not necessarily like an insecurity, but something that I would change about myself physically. Mm -hmm. Um, But I think coming to whatever I do without expectation like leads into not feeling like I need to like make it to the next level. When I first started modeling, it was definitely like a, I need to make a website and like hustle this, be professional about it. If I want to, I guess, take it to the next level, like be like work as a professional model. But after that, I don't, I mean, like I I feel like I've kind of coasted. (laughs) That's good. That's kind of a mentality shift then where you initially are like, all right, I've got to, you know, get all this squared up so that I can, you know, start to make it. And then you felt at a certain point, you're like, all right, I'm happy. This is my level of making it and I'm happy here. I don't need to overachieve. Yeah, I th- I mean, I think that being content with your life is being present and just like being happy with where you're at. And not to say like people who have like goals or milestones they want to reach aren't happy with their lives but for me not having something that I'm like really reaching towards helps me be present yeah I can dig that because there's there's like an element of workaholism which is like an act of addiction when it comes to like always needing to be productive and take up your time with these activities yeah I love I love having a day where I have nothing to do and I can just like spontaneously do whatever I feel like doing I think also I mean like I I know that you and I share some similarities in this where like I had really strict parents growing up 
And I went to church sometimes three days a week. And I was, there was a lot expected of me um, in school. Like I, I had to get A's. And if I was, if I got a B, it was like fine, but like it wasn't good. And I was in the international baccalaureate program. I was on honor roll. I did the debate. I was in debate. I was a, a varsity athlete. And so having so much of my time managed like that is not, it wouldn't be my preference, but it's something that I felt like I had to do. So you had a really strict kind of parents that had really high expectations and they were religious. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. Yeah. And my parents aren't like fundamental Christians or like, if I have any bias in this world, it is definitely about Christianity. And I think of a lot of people of the boomer generation unknowingly racist and have like, like they're unaware of their bigotry, whether it's towards women or towards people who are maybe homeless or, or people of color. But like my parents, I think really see themselves as advocates for like immigrants, advocates for people who are disadvantaged and um, are absolutely have like no like cognizant bias towards gay people or trans people. I talked to my, my parents know someone who's trans and like their language around it was clunky, but like, you know, they're living their life. My parents don't care. (laughs) But they, they have good intentions around that. Yeah. Versus, I think, you know, a lot of uh, Christians hold, like, obvious bigotry. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I have a problem Overt with that, bigotry. too. There are some Christian people that I know that are, like, welcoming and kind to people who are different than Absolutely. Them. But I would say a vast majority of, you know, institutions controlled by Christian people are of the type that are judgmental and gatekeeping. Yeah. And I mean, like, I... The church that I grew up going to is uh, it's a covenant church. It's really like Swedish American centered, um, which I appreciated. Like I learned a lot about like my heritage growing, growing there, growing up in the church. But like Swedish Americans tend to be, and I don't know if this is true of Swedish people. Like I've, I have no idea, but Swedish Americans tend to be like really cagey about politics and like sermons were very open ended and like you can believe whatever you want and be here. And it's on Capitol Hill, like the gay neighborhood of Seattle. Oh, that's chill. And um, like, I stopped believing in God when I was like 13. And I didn't go to church as immediately after like, leaving my parents house. Um, But probably like, five years later, they like, being gay became like a, a conversation nationally for the Covenant Church. And uh, the church I grew up going to voted in their first gay members and 30% of the church left. Oh. Like I kind of always assumed that my, like the people I went to church with were of the same um, ideology that my parents were, which is like, like Christ, like, you know, accepted everyone yeah. and loved everyone. And um, I was really surprised that that many people that I knew growing up were like overt bigots. They just never talked about their politics. Yeah. Yeah, that's disappointing. Yeah. The church that but, you know the church that I was raised in openly had sermons that were anti gay and uh 
And they also different, different, like the youth pastor and his wife to this day, like the youth pastor that was, you know, my youth pastor when I was there has a YouTube channel where they're talking about anti-trans and anti-gay Ugh. stuff. Like That's hard. Yeah. So it's, it is, yeah, really bizarre that I, I grew up in that environment. Yeah. I mean, and like, I had a friend point out to me recently that misogyny is really the root of all bigotry. And if you look at how a society treats women, they're going to treat everyone else that is a minority, whether it's like skin color or being gay or an immigrant or what have you like shit. Yeah. And like, I think that's true of a lot of Christianity that women are treated less than, and it might not be like, like, it like might not be overt, but you know, I don't know about you, but I was still taught like deference to men and it took me a very long time into adulthood to undo that. Yeah. And so as you're modeling, a lot of photographers who are hiring you are men and a lot of them mm-hmm. probably are Christian too. Have you felt that there's like um, any kind of inner battles like while you're going through modeling with it being somewhat of a patriarchal, it could be seeming as a misogynistic um, industry? I think my, like, specific hang-up was in, like, romantic relationships. Mm. Because, like, and I do, I, like the, the, like, racist photographer we were talking about, I, I try to have open conversations with people who I do not share political beliefs with because being defensive and angry immediately gives no space for that person to change their mind. Yeah. So... I try and have like open-ended conversations where like, you know, I'm not, I'm not going to agree with them, but I'm going to share like my political beliefs and we can have a reasonable conversation about like politics or social issues. And I mean, like it can be uncomfortable. Definitely. Definitely shot with a lot of people who are pro Trump and it's like, ugh. but why tell me why? Tell me why. I'll tell you why you're wrong. (laughs) And then our industry as a whole, when it came to our images on social media and on places like Patreon, was all affected as a result of people in Christianity, in politics, through the SESTA-FOSTA. Definitely. I can't remember the name of the organization, but it's like, it's something to do with like Christian fundamentalism that was like strongly behind that. Yeah. It was supposed to be uh, for anybody that's listening to the podcast that is like, what the hell are they talking about? There was basically in, what was it? 2018. Uh, yeah. 2018. Sorry. I was I just getting so. a call and I had to uh, turn it off. Um, there a bill that was, Pretty much saying that anything, any imagery or any activity on the internet that might be suspicious of sex trafficking would be the host of the website could be shut down. So like if they had imagery on Facebook that looks suspicious that it could be sex trafficking, then Facebook could be taken down. So all these platforms got really strict on their policies and, and suspicious of of uh trafficking could was super vague yeah i mean the fosta sesta i i looked it up but 
allowing states and victims to fight online sex trafficking act and stop enabling sex traffickers act. But, and like, it just targeted the sex work and porn industry. Like Facebook still is the largest distributor of child porn on the internet and it hasn't been taken down. But people like you and me are targeted on Facebook and Instagram, people who work in porn. And I mean, like, this is true on OnlyFans, too. Everyone that's involved has to, like, sign a release. Like, if you are, if you acknowledge that someone who's not Mm -hmm. on on OnlyFans took the photo of you, you'll get in trouble. Like, the, like, both of them have, like, both the photographer and the model have to be on OnlyFans and, like, signed a waiver. And that's true in the porn industry, like bigger porn, you know what I mean? Where even the sound guy on set has to have signed a waiver that says that like they are consensual and that they were, and you know, like that's on the surface level, not a bad thing. You know, that everyone, it should be that, that no one's being taken advantage of, but instead it just, it really hurts smaller people. Yeah, if you're trying to make income on the internet and you're like, you know, posting a photo that might be for like on my end, the way that I personally experienced this is if I posted a photo that was completely clothed, but like a a pretty photo of me that was one photo from a whole gallery of images that was on my Patreon, I would say, uh, you know, just did this amazing photo set. You can find the rest on my Patreon. Well, selling images that have nudity on another website is falling under their vague yeah. guise of sex trafficking because selling nudes according to that bill that was written and, and enacted in 2018 um, falls under that vague terms of um, sex trafficking. Yep. So it made a bunch of us models had to come together and be like, okay, according to the law now, we're all sex workers. If you're a nude model, even if you're not doing sexually charged imagery. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, like, I create, like, nude photos for artists to paint. You see naked women in museums. And guess what? Almost all of the 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 images I post that are of paintings that people have done get flagged. Like, the only photo I've had taken down in the last year and a half was a painting. What the heck? Yeah, it's fucking annoying. And then the point of the whole law, it looks like it's supposed to, you know, help cut down the sex trafficking industry but what it really did was make it so that people who are in sex trafficking who are looking for help can't go on like private blogs and like type out the words saying stuff that they're looking for help because of their situation because those phrases are are flagged for suspicion of sex trafficking and they shut down backpage like backpage was you know a resource for sex workers to check with other sex workers to make sure that this person they're going to see hasn't like, you know, assaulted anyone. Yeah. Like you said, it's made it more dangerous for people who are in the industry. And it's made it harder to actually help people through like conversations on the internet to get them out of it and save them. (laughs) If they are in a trafficking situation and not a consensual sex work situation. Yeah. And it hasn't cut down on sex trafficking. Like there's statistics that you can look up. I like got into it with my boyfriend recently and I was like, um, I know what I'm talking about. You're having a reaction, but like, let me look up statistics for you because this is true. 
And it sucks because when that law is like, oh, do we want to vote for this law to be put into action or not? And if you don't know anything about how it's going to make an impact on the creative community, or if you don't give a shit about that, for example, like, of course, you're going to vote for that because you're like, yeah, of course, I want to, you know, knock down sex trafficking. Like, it, who would who would say no to that? You know? <laughs> yeah, exactly. I think I don't remember his last name, but there's a senator in Oregon I think his name is Ron. That is the only person I think him and maybe one other person voted against it. But yeah, I mean, like sex trafficking. I mean, like even if the politicians knew what they were voting for, it was easy for like constituents and like regular people to be like, obviously sex trafficking is is bad. And like sex trafficking is bad, but you have to read the fine print. It's the same thing that's happening with this, um, uh, the the TikTok policy that they're trying to push through. It doesn't oh. just include TikTok. It includes like privacy on every platform, but people don't read the fine print. Oh, see, I don't know too much about that. I know that they tried to ban TikTok a few years ago, but TikTok remained. And I, yeah. at the time, I had a really popular TikTok page before it got deactivated. And I was like, oh no, don't take my TikTok away. But it, it, it remains. Um, I don't know about how things are going to get affected now. I, sometimes I feel like uh, the news is like conflating this. Oh, they're going to take this away from you just to piss people off and get people to talk about it. And I, I'm sure that there are like you know things that I could read as far as articles that have smaller details that kind of back up the fact that these things are true but i'm also like how much of this is made up just to piss off a lot of people that have tiktok that are like oh don't take my tiktok away <laughs> yeah i mean i think definitely unlike fosta and sesta uh the majority of people maybe not the majority but a lot of people are like my tiktok it's personal to them like they have they have something that's stake in it um, and so, like, you're right, like, it, it becomes a more personal issue, and they're, they're more likely to look into what it's about. But I, do, I don't think that mainstream media has really uh, pushed anything about what the rest of the bill is like, like, that's the quiet side. It's the yeah, pushing TikTok and like, uh, sensationalism. Mm hmm. So a lot of people make money on TikTok. I, I used to make good money on the TikTok page that I had just because I had a lot of action on there. So yeah, whatever. Social, the social media that people end up relying on. I mean, yeah. I definitely do. I saw, I'll, I'll end the TikTok conversation in a second, but this is relevant. I saw a TikTok video from a guy that his job is to film for a news station. And he had his own TikTok channel that had like the stuff that didn't make it onto the news that he still thought was important enough to share the story on his TikTok page. And yeah. his TikTok page got like massively viral and everybody was watching it. And um, he was saying that news stations are threatened by TikTok because it, it captures your attention better and it's mm -hmm. making other individuals money where they want to be making your money instead. So there might that might have something to do with it. Oh, I'm sure that has something to do with it and also controlling the narrative. Right. I mean, like, you'll see the same headline or, like, very similar across many different newspaper news outlets and so being able to share information, I mean, like, 
This is true on Twitter too, especially in 2020, where there's information being shared that is true that politicians and people, I mean, like the oligarchs of, of the world don't want you to see because it threatens, uh, threatens their position. Totally. Wow, we totally went on a, like a massive bunny trail, but I find <laughs> I find it very fascinating because our lives and our careers are affected by policies. Absolutely. And whether or not you have TikTok, a lot of models do use TikTok to, you know, gain traction for their marketing and stuff too. Yeah. So. So yeah, it's it's all relevant. It's all wrapped up. <laughs> yeah, I mean, like, do you remember when? I mean, like, I'm sure you do when. Uh, OnlyFans was like, we're not going to support sex workers anymore. And yeah. <laughs> they like, walked it back within the week because they were like, oh, fuck. You know, that's how we're making money. A few people who have really popular OnlyFans pages told me that their management companies said that that was a PR stunt. And I'm like, well, that's huh. a horrible one because a lot of people left OnlyFans. Backfired. Yeah. <laughs> Definitely backfired. And that was around the time that celebrities started making pages and, like, scamming their, their followers. Like, what was it? Bella Thorne said that she was going to start posting nudes on her OnlyFans, and she scammed a bunch of people for, like, a $200 mass locked Damn. message. And it was an implied nude, not a full nude, when she advertised it as nude, so. Yep. Not, <laughs> I mean, like, think a lot of celebrities... Um, at some point we're like, Oh, I can monetize myself on OnlyFans and I don't I don't know if conned is the right word, but definitely led people to believe that they're gonna get more than they'd see on Instagram. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And and when that happened, I you've never opened an OnlyFans, is that correct? No, I had an OnlyFans for a while. It's definitely a oh, better platform than Patreon, but um, it's easier to use for sure. Definitely. And like tipping and all of that. Um, I have a Patreon now for art modeling um, because more, way more artists are on Patreon than OnlyFans. Um, but I never made a lot of money doing it. And it's a fuckload of work. When people yeah. are like, I'm going to start an OnlyFans and make money. I'm like, ha, ha, ha. <laughs> yeah, good luck. It is yeah, work. Good luck. It's a lot of work. And you definitely have to have an outside um, extreme of people coming in. Like, if you don't have a social media platform with at least 10,000 followers, like, you're, it's not going to go anywhere. Yeah, it will be hard. But the reason I asked is I was going to ask if you remembered – a few years ago when celebrities like Bella Thorne had OnlyFans and they were kind of tricking their fans into thinking they're selling nudes, that caused OnlyFans to create a new policy where there was like a capped amount that you could set your locked uh, PPV messages at. And oh. I don't know if they've changed that back to normal since, but I think that because Bella Thorne sent out that mass message for $200 and a lot of people like paid for it. And then they requested a refund after they were unhappy with the result. Mm. Uh, and I think that they capped the PPV at the, after that, they made a new rule saying it couldn't be more than a hundred bucks or something that was similar to that. Yeah. I didn't know that, but I mean like my paid messages were probably like $10 or something like that. 
Yeah, if somebody ordered like a longer custom video, a lot of people charge more than a hundred bucks. So you'd have to ask them, okay, unlock the message, but also send me a tip for this additional amount because I can't. They, you can send locked messages for higher amounts now, but at that time when that happened, uh, it, that really affected a lot of people's like method of business on OnlyFans. That's fucked up, and I think like indicative of other cele- like celebrities like ruining. I mean, maybe not ruining is not that's dramatic, but um, affecting the income of other people on OnlyFans. But I'm also it kind of it on some level it makes me a little happy that those they were also penalized. (laughs) You know what I mean? At least it wasn't it wasn't affecting just um, smaller creators because I mean, like if you look at Instagram as an example, like. Um, I see nipples on Instagram sometimes by like famous celebrities versus like mm-hmm. my photos where I'm fucking wearing underwear get flagged. Yeah. I, yeah. I'm upset you know. about that as well. I see it all the time, <laughs> like on Playboy's page, they can like barely scribble out the nipple and I can't even post like a bra and panty photo sometimes. Yeah, exactly. I've like I, I've I've stopped posting photos where it's like censored with a scribble or like a black bar or something like that because they always Same. get removed. Yeah, I I can't risk my account anymore. I've ha- been deactivated too many times. So many times you've been deactivated so many times. Yeah, I think it's been fifteen times now. Jesus so, Christ. Yeah, it really sucks. Cause I wonder if people think that I quit modeling nude which is definitely not the case yeah like other people other people can easily post a full full frontal nude photo of me if they just delete my nipple and vagina yeah which i think is a really weird creepy form of censoring but whatever <laughs> it works yeah. for them but it won't work for me definitely not didn't you get a post deleted where like you're just in like a like a full like legs covered nude bodysuit um, yeah, I've also had an image that wasn't even a photo. It was just like giant pixelation that didn't even hardly look like a human at all. It wasn't even a photo <laughs> of me, but the, the, I posted like a complete pixelation mosaic thing. And then the caption was about how I was upset about getting a, a, a censored image taken down. And that post got taken down. It didn't even look like a person. Like you, <laughs> like the, the blocks were so big. It was like, it looked like a Lego. <laughs> and that got taken down. I was it like, "What so the frustrating. fuck?" I know. <laughs> uh, yeah. So I mean, social media Again, politics. is tough for that. Backside. Yeah, politics every day, and it, it's it's extremely. I've I've heard that there are like actual logs in Instagrams behind the scenes of what they can see that nobody else can see where they have people who are, they, they do run like porn websites outside of their Instagrams that might have a link tree in their bio and they're all being profiled and like um, policed really heavily for that kind of stuff. Like you can't post a, like booty shorts. Like if the butt is the focus of the photo, like that mm-hmm. is potentially going to take your whole account down, stuff like that. Yeah. yeah. Anything that they deem sexual at all. I wonder, my account has taken such a hard hit. Like, you know, I have 30-something thousand followers. I used to get, like, you know, at least a 1,000 likes, if not, like, around 3,000 per photo. 
And like, yeah. I'm lucky to get 500. Like no one sees my posts. I, I, I've heard that that's been true for a lot of people and not just people like not just models. Yeah. Um, oh, it's definitely the same for me too. I think that they want you to start paying to promote your posts or whatever. I did once. Okay, so Instagram said I had a, t- a $10 credit to try like a paid post and I I did it. Um it got zero traction and they charged me $10. It's like, oh, what the fuck? Like, there's no avenue for me to, like, report this or, or get, like, you know, it's $10. It's not, like, a ton of money. But, like, fuck you. Yeah. You lied to me. They said you had a credit. And, and I'm assuming that so that they can convince you to sign up for that, yeah. that program. And then it did jack shit for you. Yeah. So why would you? And then they stole your money anyway. <laughs> what the yeah. Absolutely no nothing. Did not, didn't do anything for the post. I think the post that I, uh posted the day before got like three times as much likes <laughs> wow it, it's funny sometimes i i go back in my mind and time and i'm like you know when i was 24 was when i first got a smartphone and a lot of my friends already had smartphones and i knew that i was going to get addicted to it and i kind of resisted it for a long time and now i'm all all these like different social medias and i feel like i'm sucked into it a lot and i i sometimes i'm like when i'm I'm shooting self portraits. I'm like, Oh, I need to shoot something that I can post on Instagram because my Instagram helps my business. And I feel like I kind of get lost within that. And it affects what I want to do as a whole, as a model in creativity in general. Have you ever felt that when you're in a creation process? Oh, definitely. I mean, like my reference photos that I was taking to begin with were all nude. And because like back, like even like just a few years ago, you could post photos that were like from the back where like, you're not showing like, you know, the implied of like a vulva or a bush or uh, like nipples. And I could get away with posting photos from the back and I can't post any of those now. And like, I have to take, I have to take separate photos to post on Instagram when like artists, I mean like traditionally paint, draw nude people. And some people on Instagram don't even understand that like, the nude underwear is supposed to imply that I'm naked. Like, so definitely, definitely frustrating and definitely something I shoot specifically for Instagram and something that like inhibits my ability to monetize my account. Yeah. And it it's unfortunate because Instagram seems to be the platform that all the creative people are using. Yeah. So you want to have your presence on there, but then you, you're, it's, I hope that, there are better ways to be selling your services and your products where you can share the thing that you're actually hoping and intending to share. Like, like my, the only thing that I can think of is really having a private mailing list, but those are really hard to, to do too. Cause they're, they're not as eye catchy as just scrolling on Instagram. No. And like, I have a mailing list for figure for uh, reference photos. And I think I have close to a hundred, a hundred like people who signed up. And it doesn't do anything for me. Like, I maybe make like one or two sales off of that a month. Yeah. Everybody says, oh, why don't you just make your own website if social media is like giving you a hard time? And it's like, yes, I can have a website. But in order to drive traffic to that website, I need social media. It's not search engine optimization anymore. People just don't go to Google 
when they're looking for stuff like, you know, what they might be interested in, they don't know what to search for to find you. Nope. And like, I mean, unless they're, unless they're like already know, okay, I'm looking for like a nude photo set that I can, you know, draw. They might not even stumble upon that unless they're specifically looking for it. And your SEO was really good. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, like definitely, definitely true. I should work more on SEO stuff. And like, I have a friend who's recommend who like works in marketing, who's recommended stuff that I haven't followed through on. Um, I'll send you the blog post. Um, oh, okay. Yeah. I'm curious too. I'm always trying to get better at that stuff. <laughs> I think having like having a literal blog that you update regularly um, and having like your website updated very regularly pulls you clo- like more towards the top. But it seems like even if, if you're not like paying Google, like it, it sucks for you. <laughs> yeah. Once upon a time I had someone a friend of mine was like, yeah, in, in incognito mode, you when I type in your name, like your page is like in the top three. And I'm like, that's cool. But it's my name, you know? <laughs> yeah, you people know? would have to be typing in your name to find you specifically. Yeah. But if they're looking for the products that you're selling, which ne- isn't necessarily like, oh, I want to buy pictures of Diana. <laughs> you know? Yeah, exactly. Like, yeah. So it kind of like it kind of negates the argument that you should just start your own website to combat the social media, like, you know, issues that a lot of us creators have. Oh, and like, as far as I know, there's no, um, there's no website hosting platform where you can have a subscription, you know, like, like an OnlyFans or something. Yeah. Oh, then it gets into a different thing because if you're selling stuff on your own website and there's any nudity involved in it, like nipple, even if it's artistic, the uh, payment processors are going to give you a hard time. I haven't had that problem so far. Oh, really? That's because my 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 website definitely has nude photos for sale for reference photos. But I don't know. I my website's through format.com, which is like it, it was it's built specifically for artists and like I, I think when it was first debuted it was for photographers specifically I don't know if that has anything to do with it where like the platform itself is like whatever we don't give a fuck we're for artists but it's all yeah as long as it's not explicit or whatever yeah I don't I don't know but it's it's definitely all processed through PayPal <laughs> okay yeah I mean I know that PayPal was breathing down the neck of Patreon for their artistic mm-hmm. nudity that might be questionable. Yeah, and I know so, people who've been who've had their PayPal shut down for sure. Same. It hasn't happened to me yet, knock on wood. Yeah, seriously. <laughs> yeah, crazy. Well, uh, I usually do the podcast for like an about an hour, <laughs> a little bit more. So we're about at time. Okay. Uh, is there anything else that you wanted to chat about before we go? I don't know. Nothing comes to mind. <laughs> well, I feel like we could talk all day, and I feel like almost every podcast that I have, I definitely feel like that. <laughs> yeah, I mean, we have so much in common, and there's so much to talk about in the modeling world. The like the camaraderie in the freelance modeling, like we just so many of us have similar experiences, and it's easy to talk about for forever. Yeah, it's it's uh, cathartic to talk about too because often other people not in the industry 
have no idea. Can't relate. Yeah, I'm sure that like, yeah, do you have a similar experience when someone's like, well, what do you do for work? I'm like, well, um, I'm a model and photographer. I say photographer now, and I think more people understand that. But when you tell, I really avoided telling people I was a, a model for a long time because, like, the conception of like what that means is I don't think positive for a lot of people. Yeah. Definitely. They'll look at you funny mm-hmm. and then they'll be like, well, what kind of model? Especially I'm five foot two. So it's like, obviously you're lying to me. <laughs> <laughs> or just like, so, I mean, I th- definitely people are like, oh, so, you know, you, you're in, you know, ads and in runway. And like, I def- I have done commercial modeling, but it's definitely not the bulk of what I do. And, uh, I, I mean, like, I think when people think of models, they think of, like, you know, very tall, thin, sculpted, and, like, I'm I, thin, but, like, that's about where that ends for me. And I think people look at you and you're like, you're a model? Hmm. Okay. Mm-hmm. All right. Yeah. Or very young looking. Yeah, that too. Being freelance and, like, being able to like chat with other people who kind of do the same thing that don't fall into that cookie cutter is it is nice it is nice and I think it's one of the huge perks of being a freelance model is that having something unique about you only helps you like further your career yeah like way before like plus size models were in like mainstream uh like mainstream modeling world mainstream media like fuller sized women had lots of opportunity in freelance modeling. Yeah. I mean, not, not the same amount because, you know, uh, sizeism or whatever is definitely still a thing, but um, yeah, it was uh, definitely more prevalent than it was in agency modeling. Yeah. I think it seems that freelancing in general is just better for like, the world because you don't have to conform to certain cookie cutter standards definitely right on diana (laughs) yeah thanks for thanks for talking to me yeah yeah thanks for doing this i'm really happy to have you and i'll probably hit you up sometime later in the year uh maybe we'll do another episode that's like a topical on a specific topic or something that sounds great (laughs) yeah All right. Have a good one. Yeah. Keep doing what you do. Thanks. Bye. Bye.